Sarcomas are relatively rare but often difficult to treat tumours of the body's soft tissues and unlike most cancers tend to appear in younger adults. The Garvin Institute in Sydney has had a world-leading project, which we've covered before on the Health Report, documenting the genetic profiles of people with sarcomas of various kinds. Now, along with an international consortium of researchers, they've identified inherited genes that may cause sarcomas and help with early diagnosis. Professor David Thomas is Head of Genomic Cancer Medicine at the Garvin. Welcome back to the Health Report, David. Nice to be back, Norman. Congratulations on the Australia Day Award. Oh, you're very kind. So, I mean, I've read this paper. It's eye-watering in <laughs> its complexity. In essence, you've combined family history with a genetic analysis. In other words, often g- genetic studies are sort of blunderbuss. They just look for everything, any genes, anywhere. In a, in it's called a GWAS, a genome-wide association study. But you've really targeted in here. Yes. Well, we used whole genome sequencing, which is... Um the most powerful technology we have today to understand what's going on uh, that might cause diseases like sarcoma. And one of the implications of that is that you can combine the approaches we've traditionally used for GWAS, genome-wide association studies, and the power of family linkage, which is where we've discovered most about cancer genes. And by family linkage, you mean what? Well, when you take a family which is uh, vastly too much cancer um, for chance alone, uh, you can sometimes, by techniques like positional cloning identify the gene which is being passed through the family that causes each of those individuals to develop cancer. And that's uh, led to some of the most profound breakthroughs in cancer biology over the past 30 or 40 years. And, and you found families where it wasn't necessarily sarcoma that was fought running in these families, but it might have been thyroid cancer or melanoma, for example. Yes. So in the study, we identified two biological pathways that are relatively new. And uh, one of them is uh, called a Sheltrin complex. It's, it's the cluster of six proteins that caps the end of our telomeres, like uh, aglets cover the end of our shoelaces. And when you get defects in that, you get risks of sarcoma, melanoma, and thyroid cancer. So they go together. And you also found an, there, was another, there was another defect you found as well? Yes, that was a surprise. So our studies identified the extensive complex machinery that regulates cell division seems to be a point of vulnerability um, for patients with sarcomas as well. Um, these are p- the proteins that cause a cell to divide and separate uh, their duplicated DNA. And um, that's not been previously linked to cancer before. And of course, to find out whether it was significant, you compared this to people who had, had, had very little history of cancer in their family. Yes, that was one of the interesting technical advantages that we had. We had uh, the Medical Genome Reference Bank, which we created a few years ago. This is a cohort of more than 3,000 elderly, well Australians who uh, never had cancer, never had heart disease, never had dementia, and who therefore act as a kind of super control set. Does, does sarcoma run strongly in families? Because, I mean, this is where these studies can become confusing. Oh, yes. So this is the thing. It's a a rare disease, so it's been relatively understudied. But, for example, one in five sarcoma patients gets a second cancer, and that's about one in 10 in the general population. And about uh, 15 to 20% of the sarcoma population seems to have recognisable syndromes, even though they just walk in through the door um, unselected for family history. And what what this study suggests is that the, the second cancer is not due to the treatment of the first cancer. It's actually genetic. Now, one of the things about finding genetic abnormalities that might predict cancer is whether or not you've got a treatment that could actually intervene. In other words, they're called actionable genes. 
Were any of these findings actionable? In other words, you had treatment on the shelf that could be used that you hadn't thought of? Yes, so amongst the genes that we've already known about, like the genes that cause mismatch repair, which are predicted, which predict response to immunotherapies, for example, we find certainly a certain number of sarcoma patients carry them, as well as genes that predict response to drugs like PARP inhibitors. But these new pathways may open up new possibilities for treatment uh, through similar synthetic lethal approaches. Uh, I can explain what you, I mean by that cryptic word if you want. Well, in other words, you, you, you know what the defect is and you might be able to design a drug which attacks it. Precisely, yep. And what about diagnosis? Because one of the things you claim from this is that it might actually help with early diagnosis. Yes, well, if you know who's at risk, um, and there are 21,000 Australians today who are living uh, after a diagnosis of sarcoma, for those in Australians who might have been cured from their sarcoma, we want to know who's at risk of developing a second cancer. And this study has opened up a you know, maybe one in eight, one in 12 of the, those individuals might carry something that increases their risk of having cancer and therefore enable us to personalise risk management. Now, sarcoma is devilishly difficult to treat. How do people go with their second cancers, which might well, not be a sarcoma at all? That's, that's right. I mean, in, in the Lee from any population, we've developed techniques which like... Which is an inherited one. disorder. That's right, uh, caused by the most strongly linked gene to sarcoma, P53, so people with Lee-Fraumeni syndrome have one in three of them get a sarcoma, but another one in three develop breast cancer, for example. And uh, there are lots of techniques that we're developing right now to try and pick up those cancers early at a curable stage. Now, these two abnormalities, which have not been necessarily linked to other cancers, so this is in, in, in how the cells divide, and in this sort of protective mechanism at the end of the chromosomes, the, the telomere, is this applicable to other cancers or do you not know that yet? I mean, apart from the cancers that you've found with thyroid melanoma and so on, how b broadly applicable is this? It could be quite broadly applicable. Um, but it's interesting how specific these inheritance patterns are. In other words, the genes that predispose us towards breast cancer are not the same as those that predispose us for bowel cancer, for example. And by the study of patients with sarcoma, we've opened up um, entirely new insights into cancer biology. We don't know precisely how broadly these genes may be relevant to other cancer types, but we certainly do see um, patterns of excess cancers of multiple types in these families. So we'll, we'll learn more with time. And in a practical sense, if somebody's listening to this and they've got a, fa a close family member, say a first-degree relative with sarcoma, should you be coming forward for testing of any kind? I think if you've got a concern, it's always worth raising that with your doctor. There are clinical genetics uh, clinics where you can have your questions answered. I would say that it's still a minority of patients who do carry these what we call highly penetrant syndromes. These are where you have a very high risk of having cancer. But uh, it's as much about the biology as it is about understanding um, you know, what can be done with, for an individual patient. I, I think if you want a number about one in 10 people will carry a gene that explains why they develop cancer and for which we may one day develop a good management plan. First step, though, is collecting the data, which is what you and your colleagues have done. Exactly. And uh, for a rare disease, it's had to be a global collaboration. Well, congratulations and thanks for coming back onto the program. Thanks, Norman, for the time. Professor David Thomas of the Garvin Institute of Medical Research in Sydney. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.